Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Monday, June the 5th. And the Prime Minister's been in Kent today to update us on his promise to stop small boats crossing the English Channel. It's actually six months since Rishi Sunak said he'd stop them with a new migration bill. That's currently going through Parliament but has been widely criticised by some other MPs and refugee charities. Well, let's hear what the PM has had to say during a visit to Dover. In the five months since I launched the plan, crossings are now down 20% compared to last year. Illegal migrants entering the rest of Europe have risen by 30%. And our reporter Sam Lennon managed to ask a question at today's press conference. The legal migration bill is going through the Lords today. Are you worried that uh, that might stall things because the, the Lords have had opposition towards uh, anti-illegal immigrant policy in the past? Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Sam. So, look, it's really important for me to see this new law on the statute books. You know, it's one of my five priorities. I believe it's the country's priority as well to see the boats stopped. And this new law is an important part of how we will do that. Why? Because this law makes it unequivocally clear that if you come to our country illegally, you will not be able to stay. Instead, you will be swiftly detained and then sent back either to your own country if it's safe to do so or to Rwanda or another third country alternative. That's the process that this bill puts in place and it means that people will be processed in a matter of days and weeks, not months and years. Uh, And if we can get that working, the deterrent effect I think will be very powerful. That's why the bill is so important. I'm pleased to say it was passed in the House of Commons in a matter of weeks uh, with strong support, although the Labour Party did oppose it at each and every turn. Um, But it is important to me that this bill does Uh, get put on the statute books because it's an important part of how we will stop the boats. Uh, But I'd also say that I'm already doing the work now to make sure that when the bill does come into law and manages any legal challenges uh, that, that we may have to deal with, that we are ready to implement it. So I'm already doing meetings almost twice a week uh, with all the relevant uh, cabinet secretaries to make sure that all the, all the building blocks and elements of operationalising the bill will be put in place in advance. So that's making sure we have enough detention capacity to detain people. It's making sure that we have enough judicial capacity to hear people's cases and claims in a matter of days and weeks. And it's making sure that we have all the logistics in place to actually remove people to Rwanda. You know, all of that is hard work and we're at it now, as I said, twice a week, uh, making sure that we've got everything ready so that when the bill comes into law and is ready to be used, that we are absolutely ready to use it as soon as possible. You can also read this story in full and leave your comments today at Kent Online. Kent Online News. Other top stories and a woman has been arrested on suspicion of attempted murder following a stabbing in Maidstone. Police were called to Back Street in Langley at about 11 last night and found a man injured. He was taken to a London hospital for treatment. The 33-year-old suspect was arrested at the scene and remains in custody. Two people have been flown to hospital after a motorbike crash near Cranbrook. A man and a woman in their 60s were travelling along the A21 yesterday afternoon when the crash happened close to the junction with Rosemary 
Tory Lane. We're told investigations into what happened are ongoing. Hundreds of people are involved in a major emergency training exercise at Margate's Dreamland today. Firefighters have been joined by police and paramedics to see how they'd respond to a crowd being exposed to a potentially harmful chemical. It'll involve setting up mass decontamination units and will be going on for most of the day. Now, this is one of our most read stories on the website today. A Snodland teenager has been left in tears after being accused of lying about her age to a southeastern ticket inspector. Well, Kate joins me now with more on this one. So, Kate, tell us exactly what happened. Well, 14-year-old Layla Sanger, who's in Year 9 at Mayfield Grammar in Gravesend, was challenged by an employee at a station in Medway. At the time, she was wearing her school uniform, a student lanyard, and was carrying her Southeastern ID card. She needs to change at Strood, and it was there that she was spoken to by two inspectors. And what did they say? She says they disputed the fact that she was 14 and entitled to a child's fare. She was then issued with a fine of £104, leaving her in tears. Now, her mum complained to Southeastern, and the fine was cancelled, but neither she or her her daughter have received an apology. So what have we heard from Southeastern Kate? Well, Siobhan Bradshaw, who's the general manager for enforcement at the rail provider, says we can confirm a penalty fare was cancelled, but we do not routinely comment on ongoing investigations. She goes on to say they believe it's reasonable to ask for proof of age if a younger customer looks older than 15 and asks for a child's fare. And they finish by adding that to avoid any unnecessary confusion, they'd recommend carrying an official proof of age, such as a citizen card or a valid UK card. Kate, thank you ever so much. Kent Online reports. Now, the mum of a Kent teenager who can suffer hundreds of seizures a day due to a rare form of epilepsy fears she could lose access to vital medication. Tegan Appleby from Aylsham takes medicinal cannabis oil to keep her condition under control, but the private doctor who prescribes it is due to retire next month. Well, her mum, Emma, has been telling the podcast why this is such a problem. It's quite a huge blow um, because he is the private doctor that prescribes her full extract cannabis oil. And when he retires, there's nobody else to prescribe for her. The only other doctor in the UK we know that prescribes for epilepsy um, has his books closed. So he's forward not taking any new patients on. So we're literally looking for a doctor that will prescribe for her at the moment. And can you tell me why won't doctors prescribe um, the cannabis oil for epileptic patients? There's lots of um, there's lots of reasons. The main one we're finding is there's a blockage um, by their trust. I know of one doctor that one of Tegan's doctors that does want to prescribe uh, on the NHS, but he hasn't got the support from his trust, so he's not being able to. Um, they're also being told it's to do with uh, evidence. There's not enough evidence that the medications are working, even though Tegan is the evidence. You know, when Tegan hasn't got the medication, she's in hospital suffering in a coma. When she has got it, she's not in hospital. She's much better. Her quality of life is better. So in all, in my opinion, Tegan is the evidence. This medication does help her. Um, and another thing is cost um, is another reason we've been given before. But right now, everybody needs to join together and find a solution because at the moment the government are saying it's down to the NHS the NHS is saying it's down to doctor's discretion and doctors are saying they can't get the support from their trust so everyone's kind of blaming each other and no one's taking responsibility and stepping up and doing something about it. You touched on it there briefly so when the medication runs out what sort of impact is that going to have on Tegan's quality of life? 
Um, in all honesty, she won't have a quality of life. Um, we ran out of oil in the first lockdown um, and she ended up in intensive care within a week and a half. Um, in a again in an induced coma fighting for her life and she only came out of that because we had an anonymous donation come in and they paid for a month's worth of oil for her which then made her better and got her out of hospital but we know what's going to happen when she runs out of medication so now that's why I'm doing everything I can to make sure it doesn't happen again. Is it life-threatening? Is this a life or situation? For 100%, 100% yes. This medication keeps Tegan alive and without it She's going to be in danger. Tegan doesn't get the oil on the NHS, so her family also have to raise thousands of pounds each month. A mum has hit out at an animal park in Kent, claiming she was asked for proof of her daughter's disability. Samantha Bowen had taken 13-year-old Lucy, who uses a wheelchair, to Wingham Wildlife Park near Canterbury. The park dispute the claim, saying they just needed evidence Lucy required a carer who'd be allowed in for free. They were given a refund the following day. A man suffered facial injuries after being attacked in Sittingbourne. It happened in the High Street last Monday, which was the bank holiday. A 34-year-old man from Bobbing has been charged with GBH and is due in court next week. Residents of a seaside block of flats in Folkestone have been told they need to pay £11,000 each for essential repairs to the building. Homeowners at Marine Crescent are refusing to pay the bill, saying the works, which are set to cost £1.2 million, should be covered by regular service charges. Well, the managers of the building say service charges will cover a portion of the repairs but residents must pay the rest. Kent Online reports. Now a month on from the local elections one of Kent's youngest councillors has told the Kent Online podcast he hopes to inspire the next generation. Conservative George Perfect was elected to represent Raynham North in the May ballot at the age of just 22. Now a census last year showed the average age of a councillor is 60 but George is hoping he can change all that. I've been speaking to him for today's episode. I think you know there are lots of lots of young, you know, have been lots of young councillors both around both around the southeast, but also across the UK. I think we've got here in Kent, we've always had uh, quite a strong track record of young councillors. Uh, councillor Jordan Mead, uh, the leader of the opposition on Gravesham Borough Council, Conservative, um, one of the youngest, young, the youngest leader of the opposition in in the country when he was elected by colleagues, and I think. For me, it's about bringing that itchy, younger and more diverse voice to the council. I think, you know, it's no secret that councils across the country and all political parties, you know, they, ha- they have been, you know, typically by those that have been, you know, slightly older or, or retired just because of the, the challenges that the role brings in terms of time commitments. But I think, um, you know, for me, I think I'm going to bring a, a fresh, younger voice, deep understanding of the people. I, I lived in Medway my whole life, grew up here, went to primary, secondary school here. Um, I stayed here and commuted to university whilst uh, I, you know, I was studying as well. So, you know, I've always lived in the area. I understand the challenges. I also understand the recent challenges, you know, growing up, you know, in more recent years in terms of the education provision within Medway um, and also, the, you know, the challenges that face particularly young people as they grow up today. So I think that brings a unique uh, dyna- dimension. I think I also bring uh, certainly have been somebody that's working on a day-to-day basis as well you bring a slightly different you know unique sort of understanding from my professional life as well which is helpful I think in terms of the challenges there are always there are always challenges I think when you're a younger counsellor it's, it's juggling that you know I'm, I'm continuing my professional role and, and also um, being a counsellor which is always you know challenging I think um, certainly I know people you know 
the, 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 the views, making sure that you get up to speed as quickly as possible, which I feel comfortable with. But I think overall, I've been very much welcomed into uh, our brilliant you know, conservative team we've got at Medway Council. Actually, you know, colleagues from across the council have been uh, very kind in welcoming me to to the new role. So um, I think, yes, whilst you know, it's always going to be when you're younger, you know, learning uh, and sort of getting yourself up to speed. I think I've got the you know, experience and understanding of, of the authority, which is going to you know, stand me in good stead. Um, and be to the benefit both of people across Medway, but also um, to the people of Random North. What do you think can be done to to get, you know, more younger people and more people from different backgrounds interested in our local politics? I think there's, uh, it, it, it's quite challenging piece, I think, for a number of reasons. I think there, there is an increasing certainly youth participation work that's been going on, uh, certainly since 2010. Um, there's been a lot of work done to get more young people involved, particularly within the Conservative Party in recent years. I think you look at some of the work that was done by previous prime ministers um, who have really focused on that in terms of the Conservative Party. I think um, across the piece, there is more work that could be done to, to make it easier for young people. I think youth councils, as I say, do give a, a good opportunity in order to do that. But I think there is, you know, there's certainly more work that could be done. I think in terms of being a role model for positively for young people, maybe I very much hope so. I'm hoping I'm seen as that, you know, I'll continue both in my my role as a, as a councillor for Random North, but also more widely um, holding at the, the shadow spokesperson's role for children and young people, hoping to be able to get out there and, and talk to young people about, you know, work as a counsellor and, and you know, how they can get involved in political parties. Um, and I think as ever, you know, I'll continue to be an active voice both within the local party, but also nationally, uh, pushing for more young people to be involved um, at all levels, um, because I think it's really powerful and it's good to have young people's voices at the table because I think everyone can be you know, over the age of 18, but it's good that we get a spectrum of everybody from 18 you know, through 30s, 40s, all the way up, so that we get that diverse group around the table. Um, and I think certainly, you know, in the modern Conservative Party, you know, party of opportunity, there's lots of, um, you know, opportunities for people to be able to do that, actually. There are fears rubbish could pile up on the streets in Folkestone and Dover after refuse collectors voted to go on strike. Members of the GMB union want to take action over pay. It comes ahead of crunch talks between the union and refuse company Veolia on Thursday. A school in Kings Hill is celebrating after maintaining their outstanding Ofsted rating. The Discovery School was inspected in February and the report praised the facility as being highly ambitious, vibrant and inclusive. The head teacher says she's incredibly proud of her staff and students. Plans for a Spanish-style plaza on the seafront in Herne Bay have been given the go-ahead. It means drivers will be banned from using the stretch of Central Parade. Council bosses think moving traffic from the area and bringing in a new one-way system will boost the local economy. Kent Online News. A Top Gear-style challenge is going to be taking place in Ashford to see which mode of transport can get to work quickest. A local racing driver in an electric car will be making the journey from Singleton to Coachworks near the International Station and at the same time Liu Bachelor will be setting off on a bike. I've been asking her all about it. We'll set off at the same time and our aim is to get to sync to Coachworks in, um, in near Ashford International Station as quick as possible. I will be going via the nice, you know, um, uh, routes, uh, cycle routes through the parks, Victoria Park, things like that. I'm hoping the racing driver is going to get stuck in the traffic during the rush hour in the morning. That is the aim, that I get there quicker as a result. But it is going to be close. It really is going to be a challenge. And I think I've I've got my, yeah, my work cut out for me. The legs, I'm going to have to have a good breakfast to to get that, that through. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. But what's the main message that you're hoping will come out of it? I mean, whoever gets to the finish line first, what are you hoping people will learn from what you're doing? It's really all about encouraging people to give cycling for commuting, so to work or to school, a try. And it's not necessarily saying, okay, you should commute and and cycle every single day, but it's give it a try. I think that's the thing. And making it fun, making it entertaining goes, yes, it is an option. Get out now while it's nice and sunny. Get into the habit. Give it a try. Learn your routes. And then come the winter. Okay, maybe there are some days where you do drive. But like with all climate messages, it's take one small action, give something a try and slowly build up from it from there. Because commuting, like cycling is both, you know, well, the aim of this challenge is to show that it can potentially be quicker and more efficient. But also, you know, there's all the the stuff we know about it. It's healthier, it's cheaper and it's better for the environment. So it's just so many benefits. Commuting has obviously changed a huge amount since um, the first lockdown because an awful lot of people are now working in a hybrid fashion perhaps they're not commuting every single day but do you think we've kind of we do have short memories and the fact that we're we're perhaps not going out and and having our walks like we were during lockdown we suddenly all wanted our daily walk or our daily (laughs) cycle didn't we for exercise and and perhaps we we very quickly aren't aren't doing that as much as as we did just a few years ago Yes, definitely. I, and, and and that's the benefit of it, right? It's you're getting that exercise at the same time as the practical side of getting to work. And yeah, like you said, maybe if people are, are working hybrid, they're only maybe working one day, two days, then yeah, we don't get into that habit and into the routine. But again, this is where it, it doesn't have to be a big step. It can be a small, just do one day a week, potentially initially. Um, and, and equally, you get a chance to explore different routes. I think that's what's going to be really lovely. And I'm looking forward to like even if I don't win I'm definitely going to have the nicer route because we're going through the parks it's going to be a bit more well I'm going to be putting you know my foot down as it were on the pedals to kind of get there fast but you know it is a nice location and it's a nice thing to do and and you get to work feeling that little bit more kind of awake rather than potentially frustrated getting stuck in traffic. Well it's happening tomorrow morning the aim is to show that green clean and cheaper routes as you heard are a convenient alternative. We'll update you on tomorrow's episode as to who got to their destination first An historic building in Deal is set to be demolished and replaced with flats and shops. The redevelopment of the former Royal Leisure Centre in King Street has been described as the end of an era and there were calls for it to be listed and converted rather than torn down. However, the council approved the plans last week despite concerns over parking. Elsewhere, controversial plans for new homes near Canterbury have been approved after six years of legal rows. Developers have been told they can build 85 properties on farmland in Blean. People living there are worried about an increase in traffic on the main road linking the city with Whitstable. And two abandoned huts near Ashford that were used to store tanks during the Second World War could be turned into homes. Developers want to bring the derelict buildings not far from Eastwell Manor back into use. They would put prefab rooms inside so the main structure wasn't changed. Kent Online Sport. Cricket first and Kent Spitfires suffered a last ball defeat in their T20 blast game against Surrey yesterday, beaten by five wickets at Canterbury. Jamie Smith scored the run they needed off the final ball and ended not out on 49, while Sean Abbott was unbeaten on 21 off 14 balls. Well, we've got reaction from Spitfire skipper Sam Billings. Great, great game of cricket, which unfortunately we've come out on the on the wrong side of. Um, but yeah, I, I just have to say, obviously, that both innings were pretty similar. 
um, which kind of said how much, well, what the pitch was like. But um, yeah, just Jamie Smith played a played a really good knock, and kind of they found the boundary, um, yeah, when they needed to at the end. There, boys did really well to get us up to a good total. Um, I think that was probably about par. Um, I thought I thought we were exceptional with the ball to get right back in the game, obviously after a great start by them in the power play. It's always tough when, when a team is motoring away and no wickets in the power play um, really kind of holds you back. So uh, we, we did really well to kind of battle through and it just shows you take wickets um, and it really does change the, change the game. Uh, that's kind of where we faltered with the bat. We kind of got a partnership together and then we'd lose a wicket. And in T20 cricket, I kind of everyone talks about strike rates and everything like that, but Actually, partnership batting, if you get the momentum and roll with it, it's amazing how quickly the game can really go your way. So, um, certainly with the bat, uh, we yeah, probably weren't at our fluent best, but there were the positive signs there as well. It's the fourth consecutive T20 defeat for Kent after their opening match win over Gloucestershire. Football now and Gillingham have their sights set on promotion as they prepare for the 2023-24 League 2 campaign. The Jules finished the season in 17th after a dramatic turnaround in form when the club was taken over by new American owners. Well, head of recruitment Andy Hessenthaler says they're looking to build on that. We're not just looking in England, we're looking in, we're looking in Ireland, we're looking in Scotland, you know, we're looking around, we're looking in Europe now, we're a club that wants to go places and try and get to uh, back to the championship. He'll also be hoping to fill the gap left by Alex McDonald, who's announced he's leaving to link up with former boss Steve Evans at Stevenage. Meantime, it turns out the Jills have declined an offer to feature in a fly on the wall documentary. TV producers were interested in the recent takeover by the Gallinsons. When Brad and Shannon arrived at Priestfield, though, the Jills were well adrift at the bottom of League Two, and the pair said they simply didn't have time for the cameras. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.